Creative Coding <laughs> Podcast. Uh, this is Seb Lee Delisle, and today uh, I'm joined by regular co-host Val Head. Welcome, Val. Hi, how are you doing? I'm all right. Yeah. Obviously, we've been at the Render Conference in Oxford, which has been a really good time. It Got has. that sort of post-conference Pace. weariness, right? Yeah. But it's been pretty good. You did a talk. I did. What was your talk about? I did a talk all about um, designing meaningful web animation. And that was Thursday morning, which is the first day of the conference. Yeah. And then I did conference things all the rest of Thursday and Friday. And then now it's after that. And I'm kind of like, what just happened? <laughs> and also, uh, I roped you into doing some roving reporting. I did. I got to do, I did two interviews for, well, I guess for this show. Yeah, well... It was exactly for this, for this show. show. <laughs> or was it for just for fun? No, I mean for this episode oh, of the oh, show. Oh, right. Oh, I see. <laughs> I thought maybe you'd try and sell it to some other podcast. Yeah, I'm actually going to resell it to some other podcasts. <laughs> I, I wasn't in my contract that I couldn't do that. Okay, so, so who did you talk to? <laughs> yeah, so I talked to Marika Kosaka and Sarah Swyden. And both of them did some really cool talks on Thursday afternoon, actually. Yeah, they were both right back to back. And uh, Mariko did a really great talk about some image processing in Canvas with some of the best slides I think I've ever seen for a Canvas talk. Yeah, they were really good. Really well engineered, right? It was all in the browser, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, she I asked her about it in the interview, so I won't totally spoil it. But she okay. basically wrote her own slides app Yeah. based on a comment made at a different conference. Really? Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing about that. <laughs> And, uh, and Sarah Swyden, I mean, she's really well known for SVG stuff. She really is. It's like if you want to learn anything SVG on the internet and like if you Google anything about SVG, chances are one of Sarah's amazingly long and detailed articles is going to come up. Yeah. Even if it's not the first thing on the list, it's the one that's going to get you the best information. Sure, sure. And obviously SVG is kind of getting more and more relevant, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Did you talk about that with her? I mean, I remember, was it Doug Shepherds I saw a long time ago? Oh, it was ages ago. And even then... SVG was really old yeah. technology, right? Well, SVG is so old. It's yeah. been around since, like, almost the beginning of the internet. And it was ignored for so long, and obviously everyone was using Flash for vector stuff. But even the Flash stuff, they there was a... Oh, I can't remember when it was. Maybe around, like, 2000, 2001, Flash changed something, and everyone's like, this is going to be the time for SVG. Yeah. And it never happened then. Yeah. I think I read an article a while back that was like, this is, like, the third coming of SVG, yeah. and it's finally it's sticking. Like the longest... <laughs> take up of, of a graphics technology ever <laughs> the oldest new technology ever okay well, we'll get to the interviews in a minute but i just need before that mm -hmm. to say you can support the podcast on patreon <laughs> ph patreon oh, i can't even say patreon <laughs> how do you say page patreon.com <laughs> forward slash creative coding yes we're a, a crowdfunded podcast running a campaign please go and support us if you like us otherwise <laughs> if you really don't think we're worth the money then <laughs> what's also really helpful is if you rate us on itunes or leave a review uh on itunes if follow us on twitter cc underscore pod if you want to find us on the internet it's ccpod.co i'm seb underscore ly on twitter and you're i'm at vlh yeah 
Did you say the at sign? I don't know why I just did. I feel like it's People VLH. do say the at sign, don't they? Yeah. But mine don't, are, like, I VLH is so short. Sign. I just feel like I, I need to add something to it. All right. I'm at Seb <laughs> underscore L-Y. <laughs> and I'm VLH. Okay. So let's, let's, um, <laughs> let's hear these interviews then. We'll start yeah. with Mariko. So in, in her talk, Mariko, um, she mentioned that one of the big reasons she got into Canvas was because she had a knitting machine that she wanted to make better patterns for. Right. And so, of course, knitting is like pixels yeah. with wool, right? Yeah, especially for like with knitting machines. I mean, that's what you tell it to do, right? Willy pixels. Yeah. Fuzzy, <laughs> fuzzy pixels that are sometimes not square, <laughs> yeah, <of laughs> which just seemed like the coolest way to get into Canvas things. Yeah. So based on all that, I started by asking her how she made that jump from, you know, knitting machine to Canvas. It came a long time ago, actually, when I started learning about code. I was always in tech industry, but wasn't the coder. Mm-hmm. So I decided to like teach myself to code like five years ago. So I was always a hand knitter before then. And immediately I noticed that like knitting um, instruction or mm-hmm. the pattern that they can, if, especially in like American version, is very language right so it's like kp kp repeat this right. for 20 times and uh-huh. i was like this is totally code so i in the back of my mind it was always like oh like code is kind of like knitting instruction um and i completely unrelated discover the machine the knitting machine that people were hacking about so first oh. i discovered knitting machine because i like to knit mm-hmm. and i learned about existence and i was like <laughs> this is cool i'm just gonna purchase and i'm gonna maybe like download patterns from somebody and yeah. like use it for and then subsequently i started learning to code and then learned that somebody was hacking on it so i was like this is great it, like world collides i'm just gonna <laughs> work on this project so that's how it started in doing so a lot of people are interested in hardware parts of knitting machine so yeah. they write python code they i, I make node um they replace it with arduinos and like do all of that but you still have to make some kind of input data and then mm-hmm. they use photoshop and they draw some pixel art and put it in there and stuff so i was somehow more interested in creating an image for better knitted pattern maybe because i was coming from just doing knitting background yeah. than engineering background. A lot of people geared towards hacking on ha- the hardware. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can send the data already. I'm done with that machine. <laughs> I want to like fiddle with this like input part. So then I started to like think about because in my talk talked about like the yarn doesn't come in hex code. Right. So right. and then uh, many times. In single low, I can only use two colors. So I can do multiple colored pattern mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't exist in the same low of design. So yeah. like it is like kind of getting into like interesting puzzle and then like code is really good for that. So Yeah, like there's so, a lot of very specific rules to yeah, navigate around. Yeah. yeah. So like Perfect for code. <laughs> yeah. So it simply started with like I have this like output image from grayscale image from mm-hmm. Photoshop. I put it into simple dither filter on the code and then get the image output of it. And then I haven't built it yet, but I was like, <laughs> I, it'll be great if I have kind of like a design editor for knitting wear, yeah. because a lot of online tool for image editing doesn't really cater towards knitting. Like they try to do beautiful and full of color, mm-hmm. nice stuff, but I really need like the minimal thing and then obscure thing like different algorithm for dithering or like things like that. So I started making my tool and that's how I discovered like, oh, I'm going to use Canvas. Yeah. And I was like, 
I need to. I guess I need to learn all the image processing <laughs> stuff. So does it kind of work out that like each pixel in Canvas is like one stitch? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it's like one to one. It's like a yeah. grid of stitches, a grid yeah. of pixels. And then if you knit, like you have this um, gauge. So mm-hmm. it's sometimes the knit stitch is not perfectly one by one. Yeah. Right. So sometimes it can be one by two. So I have this like visualizing. App that you can change the gauge to see if the image is kind of stretched out or you yeah. Know. So yeah, it's kind That's of really cool. interesting. And then <laughs> Canvas is really good for that because I can just you know basically I have the minimum unit of the rectangle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's one by one, sometimes it's one by one point five, and then I can redraw it on Canvas easily. So. Yeah, no, that sounds really cool. I was really excited when I heard that you had a knitting machine. I'm like, that sounds so cool. <laughs> I confirmed with you earlier, but I saw on your slides that you did some time at the School of Poetic Computation, yeah. which is run by, I guess, like Zach Lieberman and some other folks. Yes. How is, how is that course? It was great. So I did a shorter class. So they do 10 weeks of mm-hmm. like a full-time, everyday um, yeah. kind of session. And then they offer two weeks of like shorter summer session. So that's what I did last year. And actually, the in the talk, I talked about how I made a programming language for knitting pattern. That mm-hmm. was what I made at SFPC. Oh, in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my goodness>. yeah. <laughs> it was like quite intense. Yeah. But like, so there was a class in SFPC. So it was themed mm-hmm. to do a poetry. So it was a lot about text and a lot about language. Mm-hmm. So there was one of the class was about creating your computer language, mm-hmm. basically, um, with JavaScript. So there was like a little parser. So like you put whatever the grammar that you specify, and then the, the parser generated by JavaScript kind of like process it. So um, that's what I did. Yeah. And that's where I met Zach Lieberman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. So all the the in my talk, I talk about how to blur the image, how to sharp the image. I tweeted one day saying like, I was so confused about the math, mm-hmm. and I was like, Can you can somebody tell me how this works? I know some kind of matrix there, yeah. and then some kind of like math happens, but I can't quite figure that out. And that Cleveland like randomly tweeted at me, <laughs> Do you want to come to my sister's PC class? I'm talking about this tomorrow. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah, so it was like around the full time after I did my um, session, mm-hmm. um, they were doing the full time full class yeah. and he was like, tomorrow I'm teaching that stuff, I'm going to come and I'm like, yes. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> that's why that was in the slide. <laughs> <laughs> that's good timing. Awesome. So I know um, you told me a little bit about your actual like work work um, at dinner, but I was curious if you can tell us like what it is you do, because it sounds like you work on a really interesting app. Yeah, I work for a company called Scripto, which make a software for TV production, mm-hmm. specifically for writing scripts. Yeah. And it's used by those comedy shows that happens mm-hmm. every day, like late shows and all of that. It's basically collaborative word pad mm-hmm. that people log into and then real time like write it and then because it is made for TV shows it pushed to you know the teleprompter oh, right, and yeah. you know there is like the way the TV show organizes the content in mm-hmm. kind of like a hyped version of Excel sheet mm-hmm. of like how many minutes this section is going to so it's like the script is integrated with it so my work itself is a lot of texts yeah like not so much like a visual but it's like the text to be there and then being the old time is like really important. Yeah, the real time aspect of it sounds kind of like a little stressful actually. <laughs> yeah, so like we go to like um 
kind of go into like a lot of like talk here is about like offline fast、mm-hmm. and like you know the service worker and then we always encounter this problem of somebody inputted some kind of chunk of text and then somebody on the other side inputted a text and then there's a collision there、oh, like how、yeah. do we resolve that and then like somebody somehow office wifi was bad and then like went <laughs> offline and when they come back will it like apply to it and it's like interesting problem yeah that because it's happening in real time and it has To resolve it in there, it's kind of interesting challenge. Yeah, I like that it's like a software for such a very specific like challenge, a specific job. Yeah. Even though I guess there's a lot of TV shows like that, but it's like they couldn't just like use Google Docs or something; it would never work. So yeah. So like what I heard was that、uh, before they used to just like use Google Docs and then copy and paste it into this enterprise software that doesn't let you do the collaborative editing. So like what App does, <laughs> it's like both together, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is, that's a, that's a that's a pretty cool day job too. <laughs> <laughs> so, are there any other? I noticed you did, you talked about like one little project you did about like how to trick Twitter into making you know uploading a real size image. Are there any other little projects like that you've done recently?、Um, so, I didn't talk about it in the, the demo and talk, but I did this like tilt shift、mm-hmm. um, kind of demo for showing like how I used a blur filter. I did a same thing, but grayscaling. Or like a, not the the dark and the、mm-hmm. background of image because、yeah. I saw a blog post by Alice、um, about how to make a how to be good at making slide、yeah. and one of the things she mentioned was like if you're using to show like your user interface and then like want to highlight it just like I put this like light box over it and then just like wash out everything else so I was like huh I should do that for my slide <laughs> since I learned how to do it I、yeah. can just like make points of things and. Generate the image pretty quick, other、yeah. than opening up the Photoshop. Like I, I, whenever I study like some one concept or something, I, I, I ended up with like three or four little projects、mm-hmm. that's like all hosted on the GitHub page. It's like <laughs> all just like you know three hundred line of JavaScript and that's it. Yeah, I、thing. saw a lot of those. Like wow, she does a lot of these really cool little projects. <laughs> I like them. But speaking of your slides, your slides yesterday were super cool. We definitely have to link to them in the show if that's cool with you or the show notes.、Mm-hmm. Um, like you actually had like live canvas things you were manipulating in、yeah. your slides. How did you put those all together?、Uh, so the, this is another story. So last year I went to the the conference that you were at,、mm-hmm. Open BizConf. Yeah, there was a Jim who was talking about slowly telling,、mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then I tweeted at him saying. After learning that, like I'm gonna write my own scrolling telling and use it for my talk,、yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of said that and I did it, and I'm going to open this after this. So、yeah. I was like, I should do that. So it's actually if I、um, command shift to show the.、Um, Speaker notes.、Mm-hmm. It's actually scrolly telling. There's like a bunch、oh, really? of text scrolling over while the thing is. <laughs> so that was kind of like another like a little project、yeah. that came out of like doing like you know learning about scrolly telling.、Um, so I made my own app, and because it is you know just single JavaScript、mm-hmm. application, I can do anything I want in the browser. So the real time sample. The graph that I was showing for、yeah. the color was made in D3, and、oh. then every time D3 updates, it's、mm-hmm. emitting the event, and、yeah. then it's、um, I have another Canvas app that is listening to the event to update it. Yeah, and I was like kind of worried about performance because <laughs> I don't want my browser crash. <laughs>、yeah. like, I'll just show you this graph. Oh, oops. Oh. <laughs> 
but it didn't. So I guess it's okay. Yeah, it went really well. It's like those are some really slick slides, and I love that it came from like another conference talk. Made you like create this app, and now you're going back to OpenViz with it. Yeah. To see what Jim comes up with next year. Like, what are you going to do next? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, his scrolling, his scrolling telling talk was really fun. So yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you did that. With yeah. Um, so one last question for you: Is there anything you'd like to plug or promote? Anything you have coming up soon? Oh. I would like to promote my own meetup. Okay, I'm an yeah, yeah. organizer of a meetup called Brooklyn JS. Mm-hmm. It's in New York. Um, we do meetup every third Thursday, yeah. every month at the same location called 61 Local and Bergen Street. Um, yeah, it's fun. Even though our meetup is called JS, it's not about learning new framework or anything. Mm-hmm. It's more geared towards getting people and kind of show and tell of people like hi I made this cool thing and you know I kind of missed it because I was here Mm -hmm. it happened last night it was about GIF and there was about people teaching how to code and there was about you know uh, flux and Redux Mm -hmm. but not in the context of um, JavaScript framework okay yeah it's more like how to think about those ideas Mm -hmm. in other way yeah. so it's kind of like we always look for speakers who is doing like unique stuff it's only 10 minutes so it's kind of like show and tell of like hey I made a cool thing so yeah, if you're really in New York first Thursday or yeah. if you live in New York <laughs> please <laughs> definitely <laughs> you should come speak yeah no I would def- next time in New York I'll have to yeah. plan it around a Thursday because yeah. I'd love to at least come too great well thanks so much for chatting with me thank you so much super great to meet you and thanks for being on the show thank you yeah stop recording <laughs> what? That's how I ended them all. <laughs> I have to ask, what the hell is scrolly scrolly telling? <laughs> well, what? you haven't heard of it. Is um, it a thing? It, I, I don't know if it's a thing exactly, but um, OpenViz uh, last year it was a conference I was at as well. Um, I didn't realize Mariko was there too until we started talking about it. Well, <laughs> um, it, it's a it's a DataViz conference. I yeah. was kind of like the odd web person at the data viz conference so i felt kind of out of place but anyways there was a talk about um scrolly telling basically uh his name was jim um and he did a talk about how to use scrolling as like kind of like a timeline for telling stories basically like how to do cool things with scrolling that aren't parallax and tell stories with it and um, she had that in her talk because I don't really remember seeing it. Well, it wasn't. She said that the speaker notes version was scrolly telling. Oh, so this is what she saw. Yeah, yeah. It's just scrolling. Not, I don't, I don't really like get it. It's like a scroll based timeline for the story. Is it like rolling credits? Or, or? Kind of, but you still, like, it's not auto scrolling. I don't know. It's <laughs> so confused. I'm doing a terrible um, job of explaining it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we can link to some Yeah, <laughs> some examples. there's a video of that talk somewhere, so I'll oh, okay, find it cool, for you. Cool. And the other interesting thing I thought was the um, the Twitter stuff, which you sort of touched on yeah. in the interview. And um, I remember from her talk, it was she uploaded uh, like a PNG to Twitter, but Twitter would re-encode it into JPEG. Yeah, and, and it so would compress it, just, it really grossly. Right, but she made a tool to fix that. Mm-hmm. And the tool she made takes one pixel and makes it 95% transparent. <laughs> and if there's any transparency at all in your image, Twitter uses a PNG image and doesn't compress <laughs> the crap out of your images. So as I think, you know, because obviously we've, we care about the facts on this podcast. I think it was 96%. Oh, 96. 96% opaque. Oh, all okay. Right? So it's only 4% transparent. Whichever. No, it was just no, one pixel. I think, you know what? I think it was like 99.6. Yeah, it was, it was... And I was sort of thinking, oh, 
What was that mass? In fact, I've probably we've probably just got three wrong figures. Now, <laughs> it's was it ninety nine point four? Maybe it was. It was a strange. But I was number. just wondering because obviously the transparency is between zero and two five five. So I reckon it's probably two five four, right? Mm-hmm. And she converted that to a yeah percentage. enough to count as what, transparent. What do you think? That would be ninety nine point something. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it was very clever. Cool. And she had some really cool explanations for for those. Are they called convolution filters? Mm-hmm. When you have like a grid of pixels, and I mean this is how the box blur works, isn't yeah. it? Or any of the blurs where you process each pixel at a time and take a bit of their neighbor's color and mix it in. Yeah, yeah. She had some great demos on how that all worked. And it was all just completely programmed in JavaScript, mm-hmm. so interactive stuff as well. Yeah, and all the pixels had cute googly eyes, which just made it that much more <laughs> fun because they were all little pixel people. And it was like, yeah, that was, that was a really good way to learn that stuff, I yeah. thought. That's really confusing, isn't it, that? It is, and I like I liked her, the metaphor she used of just of kind of them being like friends or not friends or like the <laughs> idea of like the pixels kind of having some sort of personality or decisions as opposed yeah. to like, I mean, most of the times I hear that explained as just all straight up math stuff and yeah. you're like, you can follow for a while, but like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's only so much you I can really, like absorb at once. You know, anthropomorphizing pixels, oh, that's a word I can't say. Anthropomorphizing, anthro- Anthrom- oh, crap. Anthropomorphizing. <laughs> <laughs> Anthropomorphizing. I think that might pixels. be it. <laughs> Fifth time's the charm. Uh, is is always going to be good for, yeah. for, for a presentation. Well, it makes it so much easier to like remember and kind of follow. I liked it. Okay, so let's move on to the next interview. Sarah, yeah, the Sarah next Swiden. image format. <laughs> the next image format. We've done pixels. Yeah, done let's canvas. Do vectors. <laughs> yeah, pixels and vectors. Yeah, Sarah, her talk um, was all about putting SVGs in motion. It was just like an amazing amount of information in a half an hour about like how to animate SVGs well. Um, and like we said before, she's really well known for all of her just SVG work. And, and really, I think the biggest thing that she does is, is, you know, share what she's learned with the community and just write really wonderful articles about it. We talk about that a little bit. Um, but when I got to interview Sarah, the one thing I've always, I've never gotten to ask her about, and I've always wondered about was how she got into all of this SVG stuff. I started with SVG. I didn't have a Retina Retina screen. Mm-hmm. I was still using an old um, Vio laptop, which which broke once and, uh, and turned it literally turned off in the middle of my presentation. Oh, this is no. gone for you. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Dramatic computer death. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of used to having all of these panic attacks. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so um, I was planning on getting a retina screen on getting a MacBook because I was hearing a lot of good stuff. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of applications that I wanted to use were MacBook only or right. uh, OSX only. I When I first started learning about the difference between my screen and the retina screen, and people were talking about how images look blurry on retina screens. And at that time, there were only just a few articles on SVG online, one mm-hmm. of them by Chris Coyer. And they were talking about how they're resolution independent, how they're really great to display, to display crisp images no matter what the resolution is like. It got me a little interested, but I wasn't really that interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I applied for uh, for a talk at CSSConf, which was my first ever talk. I was supposed to give a talk about texture text effects. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of weeks before my talk, I lost my inspiration for that topic. <laughs> I, didn't, I just didn't feel like I wanted to talk about that anymore. So I wanted something challenging. 
something that I would personally be interested in because if I'm interested in something, I can hopefully make people interested in it as well. So I had two weeks. I did my reading on SVG. I learned all the basics, styling them, animating them with CSS, and I turned the stuff that I learned into notes and then the notes into slides, and I gave the talk at CSConf. It was a success Mm -hmm. because there weren't a lot of people talking about SVG at that time. I wanted to do something with SVG, and I couldn't do anything without understanding how the view box works. I just, I have to learn how something works from the inside out. There was no way I could understand how it works because there was no specific, like the specification didn't contain a lot of information. Mm-hmm. There were no articles explaining it well. So I created this interactive demo. I needed to see how the view box and the viewport work together. And I ended up refining it, turning all of the information that I learned into an article. And that's what kind of got me started because I love it. I mean, it's an image format, but it's also a document format. Like yeah. you can you can control the contents of an image, which is something. I mean, you can't do that with a photograph, for example. No, no. Yeah. And that, that article about the view box is how I learned about the view yeah, box. Yeah, thank you. Uh, awesome. If for everyone, I mean, we'll link to it in the show notes, but Sarah wrote a really great article on view box with this great little bird guy you can yeah. use to like zoom in and see the difference between the SVG coordinates and like that zoom factor. And it was just, I was like, this makes sense now. Because yeah. I'd always see that view box in, in my SVG code, and I'm like, I don't. I don't know what's happening. It is incredibly <laughs> powerful. Really, it's fantastic. I, I end up, a lot, when I'm working on client projects, and sometimes I need to remove some white space or maybe add white space because if you have elements animating mm-hmm. inside of the SVG, for example, and um, if the, if you're scaling them up and down, mm-hmm. sometimes they might get cut off by yeah. the borders of the SVG, so you need to extend the white area inside of the SVG. So instead of asking uh, the designer to do that or instead of opening it in Illustrator, I just change the values of the view box. It takes me like a few seconds and I'm done. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's powerful. Save I love all that it. back and forth. Yeah. And the view box is great for animation too. I mean, you showed it a little bit, but I've, you know, where you can like zoom into a specific yes. part of an SVG, zoom back out. Um, it's actually, I mean, that's just not a thing you can do with regular web stuff. Like you can't do that with a DOM necessarily, yeah. not so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so what other like animation factors do you find SVG good for in your work? Um, I like, I love how it's being, how it's now more than before being used for creating, uh, creating um, animated infographics mm-hmm. because infographics are fantastic. I mean, they're, they're a beautiful way to display information that might otherwise be boring tables. Yeah. Yeah, and being able to animate it makes it even more interesting because you, of all people, know how much animation can... Yeah, it makes you like really enjoy the stuff that you're reading or interacting with. Um, it's also great for... Uh, for example, I love how Jake Archibald uses them to, uh, to illustrate certain ideas and how they work. Mm-hmm. So he has these SVGs in his blog posts and he um, like literally flow charts. You animate the arrows. It's like you are drawing them by hand, but yeah. you have that SVG doing that stuff for you. Um, it's also nice for creating ads, mm-hmm. ad banners. That's fa- it's, it's a fantastic use case. These are the main three use cases that I find really practical. Yeah. I mean, I find a lot of people like Sarah, Dr- Sarah Dresner mm-hmm. and Chris Gannon, they create these really nice effects. Right. Um, but I like to focus more on practical stuff. And it's pretty cool that SVG is like really good for this experimental stuff, like the stuff that Chris and Sarah does, but also yeah. like it's all those same skills is super practical. Like you can get clients to pay you to do it. Exactly. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Which is pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you've written a lot of articles on SVG. Yeah. Um, basically if anyone wants to get started in SVG, I feel like they can just read all of your stuff. Uh-huh. Um, do you have any current new ones coming out or ones you've recently done or are working on? Yeah, I am working on one mm-hmm. right now. And you saw me do that. Do I know. That, that's, like, that's why I asked. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm working on one right now because, uh, yesterday I tweeted something on Twitter and I realized that, okay, um, I, 
tend to I don't want to spoil it so I'm not going to say what it's about yet <laughs> yeah uh, so um, yeah it's one of those articles uh, that's hopefully going to answer one of the most frequently asked questions about SVG and help people use it more mm-hmm. yeah that's great it started out as an idea for one article and it's probably going to be two or four <laughs> I like it. No, I mean, that's that's the great thing I love about all your articles. They go into such detail. You're just like, I can just read what Sarah wrote about it, and then I will feel smart. <laughs> so thank you so much for that. Thank you for reading. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, for SVG, like, I know there's a lot changing. Mm-hmm. With, like, SVG2, there's a lot of new features coming up, a lot more things we'll have access to in CSS. Are there any particular, like, up-and-coming SVG features you're, like, especially excited about? Absolutely. Um, there, there are more SVG css features. Mm-hmm. So, basically, one of the ideas that's being discussed today is having a D property in CSS so that we were able to change and animate uh, path data and CSS, yeah. which is fantastic because right now we cannot morph shapes in SVG unless we're using either smell, which is being deprecated, um, or JavaScript, yeah. which you can't always use depending on the embedding technique that you have, as I mentioned yesterday. So yeah, path data, uh, motion along a path in CSS, which is actually a feature imported from SVG to CSS. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about SVG itself, well, there are some features. uh, I was disappointed a couple of days ago when um, Amelia Bellamy-Royce, she's Mm -hmm. working with the SVG specification guys, and uh, she said that one of the features that I'm mostly excited about in SVG2 is Z-index, mm-hmm. so that you can put, you know, change the... Yeah, get some depth in there. Yeah, if you want to change the order of elements on the page, you don't have to jump into the DOM, because right now we don't have Z-index in SVG, right. and so you have to go into the DOM and change the order there. Yeah. So I was really excited that we're going to be able to do that in, CS, in SVG in the future mm-hmm. using CSS, just like we do with HTML. But then she said that it's currently at risk... Oh. Yeah, because it's not implemented yet. Mm-hmm. And so we as developers, we need to tell them that we really want that. So yeah. please do not even think about removing that. Yeah, yeah. And to like, for right now, if you, if for anyone who hasn't worked much with SVG, basically whatever elements you draw first are on the bottom mm-hmm. and then you pile them on top. But you can't switch them once that code is there. So Unless you go into the code and yeah, do that again. Which is a giant pain. So yes. <laughs> if yeah, you want absolutely. this set index feature, um, how can they tell people, how can they tell the SVG folks Tweet they want them. this? Tweet them. Okay. Um, maybe even, um, I, don't, I don't like this whole... Um, bug reporting sites? No, not, they... not bug reporting. You should, you should totally report <laughs> bugs, definitely. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the list, you know, the email lists. The oh, list. yeah, the, um, the working group lists, so they just have those giant mailing lists. Yeah, you there's, like so much dis- yeah there's so much discussion <laughs> going on in there that I don't want to be in there. So mm-hmm. what I do is, if you like a feature, write about it, write how useful it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be, what, you, what use cases you have for it, and then tweet it, share it. Um, anything like that is usually shared, and specification the people working on the specifications they listen yeah yeah and browser implementers also they they do too and we have we have a role to play in this and we need to be able to do that no that's a really good point i like how you you bring that up i know you brought it up in some previous talks too of like you know it's not like as developers or designers we're just at the mercy of the browser vendors and what yeah. they make like that's not how it works anymore Definitely. If there's a thing we want you just be really loud about it yes <laughs> you might get it do some nagging some 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 uh, you know some Oh, what's the word in English? Smoothly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like writing an article about it is like, you know, a very covert way of saying you want it, right? Instead of just yeah. being like tweeting, like, I want this feature, I want this feature. Like, I'll you write know, an Tweeting article. also works sometimes because <laughs> not everyone likes to spend their time just writing about something. So sometimes just tweeting like, hey, I have this use case. It would have been really nice if we had that feature in SVG. Yeah. That is one. That's an example. And it's true, they really do watch this stuff. I've tweeted things like that where I'm like, oh, I really wish this was available. And then like half hour later, someone who actually works on it is like, oh, 
do you, what would you use it for? And yes, I was like, exactly. They're listening. Wow. They are. They are. And they want to know more. Yeah. yeah so that's good. I, I like that a lot. So to, to wrap things up, um, was there anything you wanted to promote or plug or where could people find you online? Um, on my website, there's, there's going to be a lot of articles coming that. At least one four part or two part one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, um, so yeah, there's my website and there's Twitter mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I always welcome questions on Twitter, so you don't need to be following me. Like, for example, I once got a question from someone. She followed me, asked me a question, I answered the question, and then she unfollowed me. I mean, why? <laughs> I would have answered your question even if you didn't follow me, seriously. So Strange questions are always like welcome. Sometimes I find I- ideas for ar- articles based on questions that I get. So mm-hmm. if you have a question, you might end up, I might end up writing an article answering that question. So you, they're always welcome. That's and great. I have an RSS feed. Uh, for my articles if you want to keep up to date and I have an email newsletter coming up at some point oh nice I'm excited about that yeah I I love all the stuff you do for the community too and educating everyone it's so great thank you very much so thanks so much for being on the show and for chatting thanks for having me it's been nice yeah thanks for being on well that was really great one thing I didn't quite get was um, the, the view box stuff I mean what's what's the view box in SVG yeah SVG has an interesting way of handling coordinate systems and that like a pixel isn't necessarily always just a pixel right like you can mm. kind of like almost zoom in and zoom out based on the way you set things yeah I mean, and it's just vectors yeah exactly and the view box is basically kind of a little window with which you're looking at the SVG so you could be looking at just a small portion of it right. or the whole thing like that's, it's kind of what makes sometimes things get cut off like if yeah. you tried to scale up what's inside the SVG but you didn't change the view box, it could end up being cropped because it's outside of the view box. So you'll always have a sort of rectangular area for the vector graphics yeah. to go inside. And if you don't if you want to zoom in without it obviously filling up the whole page, mm-hmm. the view box will let you do that, right? Yeah. Like there's that right, at the, great. right at the beginning of your SVG code, like one of the first things is this view box property and you can set like the size of the rectangle and where it starts. And mm. it's actually, it's really powerful, but also it's very confusing at first because you're thinking this is an image and why can I set the size and a view box and why aren't they the same? Sure. You'd think it would just be like, oh, 120%. Yeah, <laughs> good. So it can get really frustrating. Right, right. And uh, I guess that's what happens if you're used to pixels. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, they're not really pixels. What's, what's this with the uh, Z index? That seems that just seems insane that you can't layer things up. It, it's a big problem. I mean, I just did um, like the same thing Sarah's talking about it being problematic for. I did a, a an SVG animation project, and like you you have to layer the elements in your source code based on what's behind what. So the lowest, the first things you draw, everything on top is in front of it, Known and you can't painter's algorithm. <laughs> it's got a name. Did you know that? Oh, just no, I didn't know that. So like when you draw. When you draw stuff in the background first and then draw other stuff on top later, it's called painter's algorithm. Makes sense because you're painting. It doesn't need a name though, does it? No, it doesn't. But But you hear that in um, 3D rendering, for example. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it it is good in one sense, like those are still objects. So the thing behind doesn't get cut off or knocked out in any way, but it's always behind the code that's on top of it. And so then if you want to change it, you've got to edit the SVG. Yeah. You have to edit the SVG. And you can't really do that dynamically. Like if you want something to be in front of the thing, in front of another thing for a while and then behind it, it's, you, you sort of need to have two, right? Yeah. Hide one, show the other and have them layered. And it just, it gets, it can get really complex really fast because yeah. you can't switch that. I mean, it's, it's still kind of a bit fiddly to 
like animate SVG or, or change it or adjust it with JavaScript, isn't it? JavaScript is not too bad. Um, we didn't get it to, didn't get into it too much when I was talking to Sarah, but like with libraries like GreenSock, mm. there's a few browser things that make it tricky, and they kind of just smooth that out for you. In the, the actual source code, I find kind of a bit unwieldy. And when I've looked at editing SVG in JavaScript in the past, it's been like n- objects with nest data nested a few levels deep, mm-hmm. and it's been a bit ugly. Yeah. Like you edit it by changing the string values or something like a when lot you're changing of, the path yeah there's right. like it's, it just so, looks like a random number of like letters and strings and that's yeah. how you manipulate it but rather than accessing those numbers directly you have to actually change the string right I could be I could be wrong but that's how it used to be I think yeah, it's, and it's, that's sort of similar to how if you want to adjust CSS properties in JavaScript mm-hmm. even if that property is a number you have to set this uh, set it yeah. as a string of the number it's all a little bit weird and that's why a lot of like svg animation folks are so focused on like optimizing and simplifying but like not necessarily running it through an optimizer actually like as a human going through and making sure your code is like readable by another human right because you have to go in and grab those objects to do anything with it and if like you can't identify where an object starts and ends. You can't animate it. Mm. So it's SVG is a little tricky in that sense because they can look really just, I mean, they can look like a pile of ugliness. <laughs> I'm not sure that necessarily matters, does it? I mean, you're not going to look at pixel data and go, oh, some ugly pixels. I can't read what's going on <laughs> from those values. Well, for SVG, it's more that like in the thing, a lot of the time you draw the SVG in something like Illustrator or Sketch, like you have to make sure the way you draw it when you're actually drawing it visually is structurally makes sense. You have to name things well. And if you don't, when you go look at the code, you're going to like hate your life yeah. um, or someone else will hate you. So, so Sarah <laughs> was saying that um, now you can edit, like I suppose you've been able to animate DOM elements in CSS mm-hmm. for ages, yeah. right? Yeah. And now they're introducing that for SVG. Sort of. There's a very short list of things um, that you can animate with CSS for SVG. It's mostly things like, you know, like the fill color and transforms and that kind of thing. Um, And right now, IE doesn't let you do CSS transforms on SVG, so it's kind of limiting. Uh, and there's so, polyfills, though, isn't there? Yeah, there's polyfills yeah. for that. But I think it's the SVG2 spec, or an, uh, they're coming out with um, or introducing some new um, attributes that CSS will have access to. So things like, she was talking about manipulating the path itself, the actual points of the path, that's one of them, um, just to give a little more power with SVG and CSS, because right now you're just limited to a few properties and transforms, which is a lot, but also SVG yeah. can do so much. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> And you mentioned GreenSock. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they used they used to make a tween library. Right? Yeah, is that is that what you're talking about? Yeah, same people. Is it the same? Is it a tween library for SVG, or is it a more complex animation? It's library? a bit. It's a bit more complex. Like yeah. they've got, um, you can make an actual timeline, and they actually have some very SVG specific things to optimize when they know it's manipulating SVG. Um, and one of the biggest things they do is the browsers don't all agree on where the transform origin should be in SVG and how it browsers should be defined. I know it's crazy, right? Crazy that browsers like don't take the same. They they just they don't they don't handle the transform origin the same way. Some will accept percentages, some won't, and. GreenSock basically just lets you define your transform origin and your transforms the way you want to, and then it separates it just out for the it. browsers that don't agree, which is, mm. I mean, when do you animate something and you don't ever, like, rotate and or transform something? Yeah. Pretty much never. So no. it's it's a huge time saver that way. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned, and Sarah mentioned Smell as well, mm-hmm. which which was men- mentioned yesterday as well yeah. at the conference, and I can't 
I mean, I think I've he- heard of it before, mm-hmm. but I'm not really sure what it is. It's basically, I think, as old as SVG. It's like a tag-based way of animating. And right. like, you literally have an animation tag in SVG and like animate these things. Like, here, take the path from this big long string to this big long string or change this to that. Yeah. And it's actually in the SVG, usually like on the element that's animating. So it's very, <laughs> very really specific. Ugly. It can get really ugly. Um, and... Chrome, and I think Firefox as well, but definitely Chrome has been like, we're deprecating this for the web animation API, which, as you can imagine, has made some people very angry. (laughs) (laughs) There's a whole community of people who love smell. Yeah. And and, and to be fair... Or just fear change? Both. (laughs) (laughs) But to be fair, right now, there's some things that smile or smell, depending on how you like to pronounce it, can do that other things can't. Like, you can do motion along a path with that. JavaScript can kind of do it. JavaScript can do it through like Greensock or something. CSS can't do it yet. It's coming. So it's like there's I, I a gap. Do it in JavaScript. Yeah, it's it's doable. It's but there's a gap of this like capabilities. Yeah. So that's part of why they're angry. They're like, this is the only thing that does that. Ah. Except JavaScript. Yeah. I mean. Just, just give them some functions. <laughs> Here, here's a function. Just stop your whining. That'll solve all, <laughs> solve all the internet it's arguments. It's really old. Just let it go. <laughs> So, but it's, and you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Like it's powerful, but I, I find very cumbersome. I don't like using it, but some people love it. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really interesting interview. I mean, Sarah is just so knowledgeable, isn't she? Like you watch her talk. It's like super concentrated, like just information, like just squished in your face, like (laughs) in your, like instant. It's like, it's like in the matrix, like. I know Kung Fu. Yeah, you put right? the Kung Fu, like, it's what like, is it, card or something in your I, head? I know, what was that? Sarah's just, like, squeezing all this <laughs> SVG knowledge into your face. It's true. It's, yeah, it's pretty intense. And I know, she really knows so knows much about stuff. it. Well, we should, we should talk, where's her blog? Her blog is at uh, sarahsweden.com. Do you know how to spell that? <laughs> <laughs> how about we link it in the show notes? S-A-R-A. Uh-huh, S-O-U-E-I-D-A-N. Okay. I know because I have it open in my browser. No, you just remembered that. Oh, yeah, I just remember that so well. <laughs> cool. And is that her Twitter handle as well? Uh, her Twitter handle, I think, is the same. Yep, it's at or just uh, Sarah Swyden. Great. Excellent. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for that. Yeah, it was really yeah. it was really fun to do those. Yeah, thanks for being our roving reporter. <laughs> we'll have to get you to do that next time. Yeah, I will, I will totally do it again. It saves it's me fun. so much work. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks very much. We'll see you next time on the Creative Coding Podcast. Goodbye. Bye. Big thanks to White October Events, who run the Render Conference and helped us out by providing us with rooms to record our interviews in. If you enjoy the podcast, then please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash creative coding. Follow us on Twitter, cc underscore pod.